Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evenings on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes, you're welcome to show number 905 and I'm joined today by our editor Niall Kitson as always to discuss the big event of the week, Samsung Unpacked. Did yeah. you enjoy do you it? Think, do you think they'll actually move to a different name for these things? Because well, like, they do like two of these a year now, don't they? They had a thing up uh, before the event started and they were going through all the various years and some years it was unboxed, some years it was unpacked, some years it was uninteresting. Um, Aha, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they do kind of come up with uh, whatever. You want them to be more Apple-like where they'll kind of go like, you know, uh, the leaf presentation or... or <laughs> Well, this is this is this is the eternal difference between Samsung, which is a very good specy company, mm. uh, and Apple, which is a lifestyle company. But anyway, uh, we digress. So we had we had a couple of things actually. We had one, two, three, four, four phones, a watch, mm. and a tablet. Mm. So, what do you want to talk about first? Um, the uh, thing at the very start where they did the uh, um, the pastiche on Bridgerton where they had the inventor's ball and they had the, the queen or the lord the lady or whatever happens to be entertain me entertain me and then uh-huh. they of course they were bringing around paintings showing her and she goes what's that and they were trying to describe in olden terms what a Samsung 22 phone would be uh, mm. and then at the end she says hey, when will it be ready and he, the guy's going 210 years mum uh, maybe 209 uh, it, oh, it was very it was just weird <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. It was just weird. But I mean, as for the rest of it, uh, this is not going to go down in history as one of the greatest Samsung Unpacked events ever. Okay. And I think mainly uh, because it was more to do with hardware than it was anything else. And actually not even hardware. It was more to do with cameras. It was just, uh, it really felt like, I mean, 15 minutes in, I thought this was a photography uh, presentation that I was watching. Okay, right. So let's let's dive in and see where we go with these things. So okay. first up was the new S22 and S22 Plus, yeah. uh, which measured, I think it's what, 6.1 inch for the S22 and 6.6 inches? Yeah, they're pretty much the same, you know, and, and they're pretty much the same as the iPhone, I think, in specs and stuff like that as well. Mm. Well, we've got, we've got a, an AMOLED uh, screen. Mm. They've got a four nanometer, four, four nanometer, Four nanometer <laughs> processor. <laughs> it's got a VDIS, which again is a, a photo thing. It's mm. got a OIS, which is to do it image correction. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? When you get into the specs, you really are talking about the camera, even though they've yeah. they've got an interesting chip mm. with the um, neural uh, neural processing. Mm. Um, of course, that's the four nm processor, uh, neural processing unit, which they say is seventy three percent faster um, than. The previous which means that somebody's going for apple m1 territory um 128 gigs or 256 gigs with eight gigs of ram but here's the interesting thing Mm. they have uh, what they call virtual ram or vram built into it which means that in an eight gig phone they get something like 12 gigs of ram Mm. 
to which the question goes, why didn't you just put in a 12 gig chip and then you possibly would have had 16 gigs of RAM, which sounds a lot more interesting seeing as a lot of phones are going with 12 gigs of RAM these days. 12 gigs is probably enough for a phone. Yeah. You know, well, 16, you know gigs is, 16 gigs is a lot of RAM. 32 gigs is you're up into video editor territory for that because these machines can only use X amount of RAM. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. and the software that's written for them and stuff like that. I think the big one of the day, though, aside from the S22 and the 22 Plus, was the Ultra. And it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a, oh, one more thing. Our Ultra comes with a pen. <laughs> um, there was none of that. And it seems to be that they've kind of merged the Note into the Ultra end of the S22. That's kind of interesting because, yeah, on mostly the camera is pretty much the same. There's three cameras. Mm. There's a, a telelens. Mm -hmm. There's a, actually there's two telelenses, mm. one with three times optical zoom and one with 10 times. Uh, but I think the 10 times is a digital zoom um, and a front facing 40 megapixel camera. So mm. uh, that's that's pretty darn good quality. Mm. It's also got a 6.8 inch screen, which is nice. And it, it does have the S Pen, which brings you into note territory. Yep. And it'll go up to one terabyte of storage and 12 gigs of RAM. That's 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 not bad at all. No. Um, but yeah, to go back and it's the same processor, um, say it's an awful lot of this is the same. Yeah. It's just um, they're talking about a slightly better screen with the S22 Ultra and they talk about the camera slightly differently. Mm. Um, there's two things. Well, one more thing, really, to be honest, um, is the raw format that you can shoot in which will make absolutely no difference to the majority of people. But now, there you go. You can shoot in RAW. When you speak about that, right, an awful lot of what they're talking about the cameras is the kind of into the, the very much the photographer territory, all right, mm. with the various things that you can do. But anybody who's a photographer is going to want a camera. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These kind of things is the thing that they have in their pocket for when they don't have a camera and there's a shelf worth taking. Do you know what I mean? Sure. For yeah. the likes of you and I, um, it's kind of, well, I'm just going to take a snap and boom, there, there I am. I'm done. Do I need a 100 megapixel camera in order to take a snap of my dog in the park, which I'm only going to send to somebody on WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is... Possibly one of the great fallacies of our mm. time is that you need a really good camera in your phone when most of the time what people are sending or using their phones for doesn't require tremendous image quality. <laughs> no, it just needs not, to be good enough. Really. It doesn't need to be fantastic. Yeah. But one thing that Samsung uh, talked about all the way through their phones mm. was uh, nightography as opposed to photography. Oh, I love that phrase. Yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, which is Basically, you can take really excellent photos at mm. night. Uh, and indeed, the pictures that they showed that were taken at night were absolutely fantastic. However, it begs the question, uh, if these were actually taken by a normal person, what would they look like at night versus those taken during the day by a normal person? Because as we know, these uh, demos are all done by professional photographers who know exactly what they're doing, mm. as opposed to the rest of us who don't. Mm. So overall, with the phones, uh, nice, nice bump in hardware. Uh, nothing really particularly new. Uh, nice bump in the in the cameras and stuff. But did we ask for it? Not really. Uh, the one thing that I think surprised people was they brought out the Tab yesterday as well. And they brought out an ultra version of the Tab, which is pretty big when it comes to tablets. It's fourteen and a half inches. Yeah. No. I mean, my laptop screen is what fifteen mm. inches and. The uh, the MacBook uh, Air is what thirteen inches, 
Um, so 14 inches, it's it's pretty substantial. Um, and when you look at it, it's kind of, they, there's a notch up the top. I didn't expect it to, to see one of those in a Samsung device, seeing as the displays are always so good. Mm. But uh, there's the S Pen, there's a notch. Uh, 12 megapixel um, front cameras. Um, yeah, it's all right, I suppose. Uh, 4K video recording, auto framing, which is quite nice if you're talking to someone and somebody else jumps in the screen with you. Mm. The uh, the uh, camera will automatically zoom out to to give good um, good coverage for both people. Expandable storage, though, up to one terabyte mm. uh, using micro SD. Not terribly often that we see expandable storage these days in mobile devices. No. Um, of course, they're, they're also talking about their video editing um, uh, credentials, seeing as the processing power is there. It's kind of kind of a drag and drop uh, looking app they have there with Luma Fusion. If you, if, yeah, kind of iMovie ish, I, su- I suppose. Mm. Um, and uh, the most important thing for me is you can use it like a second monitor uh, with your regular laptop. All right, and again, again, getting into Apple territory by uh, by doing that. Yeah, very true. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of that because I like mm. using uh, two monitors, but at the moment I'm using a laptop and I don't have a lot of space. Mm. So to be able to have two monitors, one of them being a tablet as opposed to one of them being, mm. you know, a much larger display, uh, would certainly be a, a good productivity tool for me. Um, so yeah. The Galaxy Tab 8, very much going for the, the PC style, uh, the PC-like experience in their in their own words. Okay. And part of the demonstration was the sort of, you know, the the full, um, you know, carry case with the keyboard built into it. Like, hey, check this out, um, which is not, not a new thing. I mean, for as long as I've had a tablet, I've had, mm. a, you know, a, a separate... Um, uh, keyboard to plug into it, a Bluetooth yeah. keyboard. It's always been part of my thing. So to to act like this is somehow new and exciting is a bit meh. But yeah. Just to wrap up on Samsung Unpacked, uh, aside from the hardware side of things, uh, they mm. made a big thing of they are now going to update all of the devices that are released this year uh, for the next four generations of Android updates. Very interesting that they're making a virtue of this mm-hmm. because when you think about sort of the Pixel phones or the iPhone, it's always this sort of, you know, you do have to go up and check what the cutoff point is for compatibility issues. Um, like when Apple issues a new iPhone or a new version of iOS, mm. it's like, here's the cutoff point. Um, to come up, uh, to start up front and say, look, you're going to get five years out of this thing. It's quite refreshing, actually. Well, yes, it is. And then, uh, no, it isn't. Because when I look at those pieces of tech, it's like you, you get more than five years out of it. Do you know what I mean? If you look after it and you just use it for what it's intended to do, you could get five, 10, 15 years. Why not? It's, it's just a piece of electronics. All right. It's the software mm-hmm. that runs on it, um, which is why, like, you know, if you take out a, a, a PC that was built 20 years ago and it's running the original software, it still run. It's only a processor and RAM and a hard drive and whatever, you know. So the fact I think that they're doing four generations of Android update is really limiting the life of the phone. Uh, And it's kind of like, okay, you're making an investment of €1,200 into this uh, electronic device uh, and it's going to be dead in 2026. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's look at the prices on the um, S. Uh, on the S phones, mm. right? Just just on the phones in particular. The S22 is €879. Euro. The S22 Plus with the, that bigger screen is uh, 1089 mm. And the Ultra 
with the Ultra Everything is €1,299. Which is kind of okay. I I can't believe I'm even saying this because I remember being aghast when mobile phones went over the thousand euro mark and we were like, (gasps) and now here we are X years later and going, yeah, 1300, it's not bad. It's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. For what you get. (laughs) I don't know. I won't be investing anyway. There was nothing there that really, uh, I think the uh, phone that I have at the moment uh, is fine. It takes great pictures. It's enough for what I need. If I'm doing video or if I'm doing a photography work or whatever, I've got a camera for that. Sure. Sure. So that's it for me. I would say uh, wrapping up that I would give, I would like to give, uh, in fact, I will give a Samsung uh, a C plus. Well done. Could do better. All right. I'd love to be able to give an S plus because that would tie in nicely with everything. But uh-huh. I'm just going to have to stick with a C plus. That's actually quite quite lukewarm. It's lukewarm, isn't it? You think you might you might work on that and actually work it into an article somewhere on the website. (laughs) So so you know uh, what would actually catch your attention then? What would what would create a a, an A grade Samsung? Oh, you are way into a whole other level of the conversation, and we've run out of time for that. All right. So um, (laughs) um, I would say the highlight though for today was definitely having the S Pen into the uh, in, into the ultra right i think right. That, that, that's amazing grant listen let's uh, wrap it up there as i say we are running out of time just a little bit uh, niall thanks for keeping us up to date on what was happening with samsung remember you can get more detail on what the samsung announced this week at the unpacked event on our website uh, you'll also get hourly updates on all things tech and daily newsletters at techcentral.ie <laughs> This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Last week, we talked about the release of the government's new national digital strategy. And today we have some reaction from the research sector. Professor Noel O'Connor is CEO of Insight, the SFI Research Centre for Data Analytics. And he spoke to Niall Kitson about the strategy and his hopes for it. So if you could just tell me, as uh, I suppose is the CEO of, of Insight in particular, what was your reaction to the uh, to the new plan? I mean, did you see this as something uh, as stating the obvious or is this something quite cutting edge? Thanks very much, um, Niall. So as you know, Niall, the Insight SFI Research Centre for Data Analytics is the largest of the SFI research centres uh, with a focus on big data, data analytics, machine learning and, and AI. So um, the digital strategy is extremely important to us in terms of understanding how it impacts our research or facilitates um, our, our research going forward. Um, I was particularly delighted um, with the strategy that was launched by the Taoiseach um, because I think it really serves a really useful purpose of joining up and connecting the dots across Ireland's ecosystem, both societal, economy um, and research and and academia. Um, It brings together a critical mass, if you like, in the area of digital transformation that leaves Ireland extremely well place to really reap the benefits of the digital revolution and, you know, really um, potentially lead the way uh, in Europe in terms of of how we're doing in in this new digital era. I suppose part part one or the 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 first uh, I, I guess um, 
area of interest is does come down to that transformation of business, I suppose, changing that mindset and getting businesses used to the idea of having that digital presence. I suppose it's a little bit of a hangover from a, from the COVID years where a lot of businesses struggled to find their feet or, or indeed folded. Have, is, has it been your experience that you're seeing more people approach the centre looking for, you know, guidance from SMEs or from companies looking to work with SMEs to make, uh, to create insights, if you will, to create projects that are perhaps maybe even more easily accessible or easier to pitch to smaller companies? Um, I, I think what we've witnessed is um, a, a, a growth in the appreciation of uh, digital um, as a means of doing business um, and the opportunities that these new technologies, which is not just digital connectivity, but all the other technologies that digital connectivity enables. Um, we've witnessed a real appreciation of that um, throughout COVID and companies understanding the need to really embrace these new technologies to the benefit of their of their business. And, and to the benefit of their employees as well, of course. Um, so I'm talking here, you know, not just about online presences and, and the e-business and so on, but being able to tap into emerging technologies. Uh, and technologies, by the way, where Ireland is leading the way uh, globally in areas like artificial intelligence, blockchain, Internet of Things, connected health, connected autonomous vehicles, and of course, big data. Um, you know, th- these are the technologies which will really allow companies differentiate themselves in the market, which will really allow them to build novel intellectual property into their product and therefore make them more competitive um, in the market and ultimately grow and scale and employ more people. We've also got to look at infrastructure as being sort of a, a major barrier or indeed if, if we're to change our perspective on it, an enabler of success. I mean, we're looking at 2028 for uh, nationwide coverage of gigabit and uh, full coverage of 5G by 2030. Now, in your experience of working with, you know, 4G, 5G test beds, uh, for example, out in Croke Park, how do you see this translating into research on the ground? Do you think we'll see more work in, say, for example, digital twins oh absolutely I think I think um, it's already an extremely hot research topic we're looking at it ourselves within within the Insight Research Centre um, through some of our test beds where we can get real time feeds of sensor data for example to understand how best to organise a space or the health of a space uh, environmentally um, and to make better decisions on that on that basis so I, I think we'll see more and more and more of that as the world becomes more instrumented as a consequent, uh, consequence of a connected world where we can deploy massive sensory infrastructure out into the environment to better understand the world in which we as humans um, move through. Um, I think the other really important thing you think about in the context of digital infrastructure is how this enables the translation of some of the research that's currently ongoing to really impact for the benefit on people's on people's lives, right? Um, so it's more than just um, this idea of, of everyone being connected and, and broadband to every home. If we take that as red, because we absolutely need to get to that, get to that point, we have to start asking questions as to how do we use that to the benefit of, of, of society and, and for citizens. And uh, in that context, there's a fantastic project ongoing in, in Insight at the moment, um, which is a European project, in fact, a pan-European project, where we're looking at using that kind of connectivity and 
that kind of digital infrastructure to ensure no one's left behind in the digital revolution. So we're actually using the technology as tools for social inclusion. And it's about opera co-creation um, by, by communities who typically wouldn't engage in that in that art form and that in that in that cultural expression. And specifically, we're working with the likes of inner city regions in Barcelona, a uh, young offenders prison in Portugal and in our own country, a bit closer to home, in rurally geographically isolated areas, such as Inishmore, for example, which is going to be one of our pilot sites, to allow communities and artists to come together to experience new experiences as if they were in the same physical location. Um, and I think that's a great example of how this technology can be used in really innovative ways um, to bring people together. Um, and it's all predicated upon that digital infrastructure being in place in the first instance. One thing that we keep hearing about is this talent pipeline, you know, the, the importance of getting enough people interested in technology and, and a career in technology so that we can, you know, further down the line, be able to translate that enthusiasm into real world uh, projects uh, or indeed companies. I imagine having that level of connectivity at, as standard within a within a community or a town or a city is going to sort of help stimulate that sort of um, that talent pipeline creation. Do you see that happening? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's vital that we that we ensure that we mentor that and foster that because that's going to be a key asset for Ireland into the into the future. And we have to do it at all levels, right? We have to ensure uh, digital and data literacy in particular. Data literacy is particularly important in the current world where people are, 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 are potentially happy to surrender their data in all kinds of different ways for a variety of different reasons. Um, and of course, that's a con key concern for a centre like, like Insight, understanding the ethical and social and, and, and societal uh, implications of that. Um, but um, I, I think we need to think of those skills, as I say, at all levels, from 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 primary school, children, secondary school, students, third level. Um, um, we have to think about the older generation who perhaps aren't as au fait as some of the, the younger generations with digital technologies. Ensure that we're bringing everybody along, ensure that we're upskilling everybody as we go, uh, because the the the, the pace of advancement of technology is so rapid that it's very easy to be left behind if you don't keep pace with that. Um, the other dimension that I, I think which, which is a huge potential asset for the Irish economy is the uh, higher sophistication level of digital skills at the level of our graduate students coming out of centres like, like our own um, uh, research centre, whereby our graduates are now skilled not just in the technical and theoretical underpinnings of really state-of-the-art transformative technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence, but they've also been educated in the ethical and societal ramifications of those technologies when they're deployed in society. And that's increasingly important as these, these technologies gain a hold and a foothold in our society and, uh, and start to become ubiquitous. So um, the focus on transferable skills, uh, sorry, transversal skills, as well as the technical skills, I think is hugely, hugely important. And for that, we need to, we need to uh, you know, interface with, with, with the social sciences and humanities and not just focus, for example, on, on the traditional core disciplines of engineering and, and, uh, and science and computer science where these these technologies are born, but we need to look at them in a more holistic way from an educational perspective. 
Yeah, I find that cross pollination absolutely fascinating. Where you know it, it, it's given that you know that the practical skills will evolve and change over time, and yet the philosophical underpinnings under which they will be used in practice they've been with us for thousands of years. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's funny that it's, it's kind of taken us a little while to realise that, uh, but that is the reality and something that we absolutely have to embrace. So I guess the last part of the plan is looking at the digitalization of public services. We've seen quite quite a bit of success with it so far. I mean, we're all familiar with revenue.ie and how, how easy it has made people to take ownership uh, of their own tax affairs. Um, from your perspective as an insight, what challenges do you see there? Do you think, you know, okay, here's potentially a, a data pool uh, or a data lake uh, of things people might be interested in, in looking at? Perhaps there's potential for expanding research in one particular or area over another? I think what what, what COVID has shown us, um, and I suppose one of the positives of COVID, if, you, if there is a positive from COVID, is um, the way in which um, we responded from a digital perspective to that. Um, you know, the, the, the opening, the, the, the development of the COVID tracker app, for example, by the HSE, which was a huge national success, uh, a significant undertaking, but one that was, that was um, accomplished uh, extremely deftly and, and in, to, to, to the level of best practice, where it's held up as best practice internationally, by the way, by our HSE, shows that our public sector can respond very, very quickly um, uh, with digital technologies that have a real impact. Um, and I think we need to build on that beyond COVID. And I think what's needed there is a real interaction and integration between the people with the digital skills or pushing the, the state of the art with you know, pub, the public sector so the public sector can reap the benefits of all of this technology that we're developing within Insight, which after all is a publicly funded research centre funded by the, by the taxpayer. So we need to ensure that we're translating that expertise into our public sector to make the public sector and our public services more efficient um, for our citizens and optimised optimized to their needs. And I think the point I was trying to make a few minutes ago is that COVID has brought a greater appreciation across the country of what that might look like. Can we crack that nut? And I think we're we're very well placed to do that. Um, can I just say, because uh, I think um, we have the skills, we have the problems, and I think we have the will now um, by virtue of the uh, of the digital um, strategy. It's outlined there in dimension four of the strategy digitalization of public services. And it's something that we in Insight are very, very excited about and committed to helping implement. And that was Professor Noel O'Connor, CEO of Insight, chatting with Niall Kitson. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, thanks as always for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.